Hello, and welcome to Entangled, the podcast where we explore the science of consciousness, the true nature of reality, and what it means to be a spiritual being having a human experience. I'm your host, Jordan Euclid, and today I'm joined by my friends, Sonder and Jalen Schroeder. In this episode, Jalen and Sonder describe their experiences growing up in the Mormon church and finding one another. Jalen describes the difficulties of getting divorced from her first marriage and the themes of shame and trauma that were prevalent in her childhood. Sonder discusses his missionary trip and how the miracles he witnessed during that experience taught him the power of manifestation. Jalen then describes the events that led to her decision to leave the Church of Latter-day Saints and how she and Sonder were able to navigate that decision as a family. We next discuss Sonder and Jalen's experience with ayahuasca and how they have evolved on their spiritual journeys after leaving organized religion. We then discuss Sonder and Jalen's relationships with their families who are still in the LDS Church and the concept of soul family. From there, we talk about how Jalen has leveraged her experiences to be a resource for others who are current or previous members of Orthodox religions and the benefits Sonder has found in working with the transformational coach. We end the conversation discussing our shared journey to Egypt and the importance of authenticity. This outro is titled Spirituality Without Religion. Outro is available for this and all episodes at entangledpodcast.substack.com. Music from the show available on the Spotify playlist Entangled the Vibes. Please enjoy. So hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Entangled. I'm very excited to be joined by my dear friends, Jalen and Sandra Schroeder. Hey, guys, how are you doing today? Hey, excited to be here. Thanks so much for for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to chat more. Awesome. Well, the three of us, so well, you guys obviously (laughs) knew each other beforehand, but I I got to meet you both on our trip to Egypt, which is just so incredible, and it's been a real Real pleasure getting to catch up with several of the people that were on our trip on this podcast and, and, you know, staying in touch through that. So maybe to get started, would love if you guys would share with the listeners a little bit of your background and, you know, maybe we can go from there. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I I mean, I think probably the, the best place to start, Jalen and I were both born and raised in Utah. We both grew up LDS or Mormon, as as most people call it. Yeah, we... I guess we met in college, right? Mm, no. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Not me. Well, you were you're going to online school, weren't you? No. Oh, yeah. maybe she's graduated. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so I guess background before that, I went on an LDS mission in Indiana. Then we we met in Orem, Utah, which is like a big college hub. There's two universities there. Got married in the temple. I don't know. We've both been very like entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial with business and different things like that. And then had a couple kids and here we are today just doing a lot of yeah, expansion and trying to be authentic to ourselves. What would you add? Yeah. I mean, I would add I was divorced before and I feel like that's played a big role in our lives, obviously. And I was graduated when we met. She's graduated. <laughs> and we met on an on a Mormon dating site, which is also funny to me. It was like right when it was right before like Tinder and all those things yeah, came it's out. Like six months before Tinder. When those the good old online dating sites were a thing. Yep. Yep. Hey, they're still cooking. <laughs> they were, it's actually a good place to meet. I wouldn't have found yeah. him otherwise. 
Totally. Well, and I think it's funny you say that. I, I'm pretty sure it's either Tinder or Bumble, but they started at a Mormon campus, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. For that exact reason, they just said that this would be something that would really resonate with the Mormon community. Oh, that's cool. I yeah. mean, I believe it. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I'd be curious, Dan, I didn't re- know that you had been divorced before. So my mom was grew up pretty Catholic, and she was married before my father. Actually, both of them were. And she got divorced, and I think that was really challenging for her family to accept. I'm curious, having grown up Mormon, if that was an issue for you as well. Definitely an issue. I would say it's definitely discouraged in the Mormon church because the what they call covenants and the promises you make when you get married in the temple are a really big deal. So essentially, when I'm choosing to divorce, I'm breaking that covenant, I guess you could say. So it is a big deal. And I was 23, 24 when I got divorced. I was only married two and a half years. I knew it was the right choice for me. But I definitely got a lot of a lot of heat. A lot of people like, just stay together. Like, why wouldn't you try to work it out? I mean, just a lot of all of those things. But I knew that it was the right choice. And so I just had to go for it. And it was even hard. 24 is young. Like I look at 24 now. I'm like, the 24, 24 year olds are babies. But at that point, I was old. Like in the Mormon community, I was old because people get married at, you know, 19, 20, 21, start families at 22, 23. So when I got divorced, everyone I was around was 19, leaving on their mission, or 21, just getting back from their mission. And I'm a 24 year old divorced woman. And there were a few people that were like, I can't go on a date with you because you're divorced. And like, I don't oh, really. Yeah. I mean, not I would say I it wasn't a problem for the most part, but a few people did say that, which so I mean, it was hard making the decision was hard going through it was as hard. And that's kind of why I turned to the dating websites, because I'm like, there's literally no one around me that's even my age. And so turn to the dating websites to, you know, search and find out, find a eligible husband (laughs) that was also Mormon because I still was very I was very much like I still believe I still want to marry someone Mormon so I wouldn't have I mean that's what I was looking for on Mormon websites looking for a Mormon man that makes sense and if you'd be willing to share I'm curious how you you said you 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 just knew that that first marriage wasn't right for you what how did you know that I would say just a gut feeling it's hard because when you're Mormon you are not allowed to live with a person before and so I feel like a just there's a whole new world of things that you don't know and then when you get married and you're all of a sudden with that person all the time and you never had those experiences before things just shift so with with that first marriage, there was a lot of communication issues. There was some verbal abuse, some physical abuse. I would say my my divorce, I was lucky. It ended very smoothly. Things were great. It did carry into our relationship. You know, just a lot of trauma and a lot of feeling like I was a failure and just trauma that I had carried from whatever, just growing up being Mormon, the things that I had experienced, I carried into that first marriage and then I carried it into the next marriage until I became more aware of it. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Do you think that you, that there was maybe like a community or societal pressure to get married at a young age? Like, did you, did you, did you come to that realization, you know, later in the marriage or do you think that, you know, like, like I, like, did, were you, 
Were you ready to get married, do you think, initially, and then kind of realized that maybe he wasn't the person you thought he was, or did you feel it was maybe more more pressured into it? It's it's so hard to say to even answer that because I do feel like it was the right choice, but also if I'm thinking back and looking at that time, it's like that's just what you do. If you're serious with someone, you get married because there's not really another step. It's not like you move in together and you see if you're compatible or you do A, B, and C. It's like if you have been dating, then there's that pressure like, okay, next step marriage, the next step kids. It's 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 kind of just like a given thing that this is what you do. So that question actually is like, whoa to me, because I don't think I even thought of that. It's just like, that's what you do when you get serious with someone. Like that's that next step is you get married. So I don't think I ever sat down and was like, is this the right choice? That was just the next step because we had dated and we'd done all the things. And that was the next step. And I don't, I have zero regrets about that relationship. And there was a lot of healing that I was able to experience. And a lot of things that I've brought into our marriage that we've been able to heal together. And so, I mean, it was a, it was a hard, but beautiful experience, but I, yeah, I don't have any regrets yeah. at all. And it brought me to him too. Yeah. We've even been on a date with her ex. Yeah. A double date. <laughs> that's awesome. Which is crazy. That's a, whole, that's a whole different crazy. That's like a whole crazy story in, in itself. Well, we definitely should get into that. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned, you know, there's also some trauma you'd experienced from growing up Mormon. And I was curious if you could expand on that. Yeah. So growing up Mormon, I felt like a lot of things just kind of put you in a box. And I was always one that was not a box person, I guess you could say. Even growing up, I was always attracted to just like little things like tattoos Mm -hmm. and just things that were very black and white in the church. And I was definitely a people pleaser. I wanted to follow the rules. I wanted to do what I was supposed to do. So I was always, you know, doing what I was supposed to do. And I had a lot of anxiety every Sunday. And it's interesting now because, I mean, 25, you know, 30 years later, I'm like, holy cow, I had anxiety because I wasn't supposed to be there. And that wasn't like my path. But in the moment, you know, I blamed it on a million different other stories. But yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I think I would add something that we've been talking a lot about together. Trauma with you is it's hard for Jalen to say what she wants. So I feel like just being, I mean, I think the culture is and the religion is very like patriarchal, right? So very much like led by men. and so. I don't think it's as like submissive maybe compared to other more extreme religions, but it's still very present. So I think even Jalen just like speaking what she wants and feeling like she can do that, I think has, I don't know, I think is like shown up more and more. And like when you do say it, I think it's very like empowering for you. Yeah. And I think even around like sex, there's a lot of trauma with that because it's like the things that are natural to us, right? I mean, even like kissing boys when I was 16 or anything along those lines, it was just like instantly I felt like I had to go tell my bishop. And then a lot of those conversations now looking back were very inappropriate. And a lot of things were said in those interviews that I don't like I would never let my child go into a room with a man and be asked those questions. So I think just it's like my just who I was and being who I was was wrong. And I think that caused so much shame, like so many issues. And those issues 
carried on into my first marriage. He ended up cheating on me and then, which wasn't exactly why we got divorced, but, and then that got carried on into this marriage. And luckily, like going through what I would call our awakening and, you know, leaving religion and seeing things bigger than what we saw before, that finally allowed us to move through that. And it's still, it's still a work in progress, but I just, there's a, there's a lot of trauma and just a lot of things that, I mean, it's just 30, what, 31 years of my life before I left the church of just me being constantly like who I am as a person is wrong. And I'm, you know, that's just what I heard for 31 years until I finally chose to be like, I'm done with this. And so there's a lot of peeling back the layers and that's what we've been doing for the last three years. And he's been so patient and so wonderful. I'm so awesome. (laughs) He is awesome. But it's been a lot of like unlayering and I still feel like we're in the thick of it. I mean, last week was a rough week and I was really triggered with like church stuff and I had breakdown after breakdown and it's just, I mean, it's, it comes in layers. It's like, I think I'm healed and like move forward. And then like, I just get hit with more. So there's a lot to uncover, but I think that's normal when you grow up in a religion. That's it's, I mean, everything it's like how you dress, how you talk who your friends are, who you're dating. I mean, it's literally everything. There's nothing that's not part of the religion. So, I mean, yeah. Yep, that makes sense. So, Sonder, when you met Jalen, were you at all reluctant because she'd been divorced? No, I didn't care. I I always felt like... It's kind of interesting. I don't know if I've actually told you this. On my mission, I... I had like what felt like a vision one night where I saw like my future spouse and she was like, like covered up in like tattoos and like a convert to the church and like things like that. Jalen's not necessarily, wasn't a convert by any means. And I think she only had two little teeny tiny tattoos then very different from today. But yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. I don't know if that was more just to open me up to more possibilities because I probably would have been like, I was like super, super Mormon, like super devout, like like, extreme, like very extreme. Like my mission was like very much like letter of the law, like with everything. And so I don't know. I was just like a very like disciplined, very, very much like about the church type like person. So I don't know if it wasn't for that on my mission, I probably would have tried to like marry like a return missionary or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. So interesting. What was that missionary experience like? Honestly, it was probably one of the greatest experiences of my life. I think, you know, my my beliefs have obviously evolved and grown. And it was like such a special time because for two years, I was literally only focused on one thing. So it was like, yeah, literally one thing is all I was focused on doing, which was like talking to people about Jesus or Mormonism or whatever you want to call it. And And so, yeah, it was like literally my only focus. I talked to my family twice a year on like a phone, you know, and I would email them weekly. But for the most part, it was up at 630 or six every morning and then, you know, to bed at 930, 10 o'clock every night. And so it was just like, yeah, it was honestly a pretty powerful experience. I saw a lot of miracles. I think it just taught me almost the power of like belief and manifestation, like what you put your energy into can actually come true. Like, I don't know. There were just like so many powerful moments where, you know, we were like praying for where we should go the next day, like 
kind of had like a planning session every night. And I just remember one, one time getting up in the middle of that prayer and just like pointing at a street and saying, we need to go like two houses down. And we went to that house and like ended up like helping this alcoholic guy who would just watch reality TV show all day and, you know, taught him about Christ. So there, there were very like powerful moments like that, that would happen on like a weekly basis. So for me, I don't know, for me a lot, there's a lot of like good foundation to it. And at the same time, I can now kind of see like what the construct of religion or Mormonism is now. As that, well. that makes total sense. And it's, it's beautiful the way you describe it and how I think that, you know, a lot of folks in modern society who kind of have left organized religion and, you know, both of my parents being them, right? My mom, Catholic, my dad, Jewish. But I think those, especially on the conser- on the Orthodox side, right, have a lot of the similar characteristics that you've described with Mormonism, right? The, the shame, the no matter what you do, you're wrong, right? And I think that's why so many of our modern society has become kind of, you know, atheist or science, scientism, whatever you want to call it. Right. And just kind of, in a sense, throwing the baby out with the bathwater is, is kind of how I view it. And and I think it's really beautiful that, you know, you've been able to maintain those principles that were so meaningful to you while still separating yourself from a organization that you just didn't necessarily feel, you know, fully compatible with. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I think that's the beautiful thing about polarity, right? Like you can see you can see what what makes it great and where like it is rooted in truth and then you can also like see the i don't know maybe yeah the control or the construct that exists there maybe i don't know control is an interesting word i think i think honestly maybe i'd say like limitations it's like you can see like i don't know how much belief can power someone but then also like on that same line how limitations also hold people back you know and so i think that's yeah, I, I was stuck in that loop for a while. So, yep, yep, that makes total sense. It's uh, it's a challenge, and and Jalen, it's interesting you mentioned that your awakening was when you were thirty one because that was also mine. So, <laughs> we're going nice. to hear more about your your process around like what caused that, and then how did you make the decision to to leave the church, and and then obviously what were the ramifications of that decision? Yeah, so I was not looking. I think at this point. I had stopped going to church really. I was traveling a lot with my business and I would purposely like schedule flights and things after church so I didn't have to go. I'd be like, oh, getting home Sunday night. Sorry, I can't go to church. So I would I would just avoid it, right? And I think I knew something was there, but I wasn't willing to look or to ask questions. So I always said like, oh, I will never leave the church. I've, I've said that 1 million times. I would never leave the church. Even though I struggle with ABC, I would never leave the church. So. I woke up randomly one day and I just had this like, whatever you want to call it, download. And I was basically told like, you need to reach out to this friend. Um, And I don't even know if I'd say she's a friend at that point. I had talked to her maybe one time before that. And we had a commonality of we both struggled with anxiety. And so I was like, oh, she must be struggling with anxiety. She probably needs a friend. So I reached out to her and I said, hey, I thought about you this morning. What's going on? Like, are you okay? And she's like, no, I'm not okay. My whole world's falling apart. Me and my husband just found out some stuff about our church. And I was like, oh, really? I'm so sorry. So she starts telling me more. And I was like, wait, I'm like, what, what, what church are you part of? And she's like, oh, I'm Mormon. And I was like, what? I was like, I'm Mormon too. So then I asked her, I'm like, would you mind sharing the stuff that you found? And so she sent me all this stuff over and I start going through it. And I just felt sick. I felt sick to my stomach. So 
My biggest fear was Sonder. So I talked to him, I think like the next day and I was like, hey, I have some questions. Like, can we talk about this? And he's like, yeah, let's talk about it tomorrow. And I think by the time we actually like sat down and talked, I was done. So I dove into that information so fast and I, li- I was listening to podcasts, like all these things were just taking me places. I was on the church website, like digging, 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 trying to get answers. And I knew like there was no question at that point. It was like once I knew the things I knew, there's no I can't there's no going back. I'm I'm definitely a very all or nothing, nothing person. And so what I knew, I was just done. So I told him and that was like the hardest thing I've ever done. Tell him I'm just done and I'm leaving the church. And this part, we have different stories. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, what I remember, the first thing he said is he didn't think it was going to work and he wanted a divorce. Obviously, like 10 minutes later, you know, it changed. And I don't like that's a, I feel like a very natural response anyways, because that's it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Like me choosing to leave was basically saying I'm breaking apart our family. We're not going to be together in the afterlife. I mean, it was a very heavy decision. So we, what we talked through that eventually came to the conclusion, like we're staying together. We're going to work through this. It's possible to have a mixed faith marriage. I told my parents and they basically just said like, we're disappointed in you and we don't want to know why you're leaving. And we don't want to talk about this ever again. So that was that (laughs) told his parents was, which was way harder than telling my parents and his parents wanted me to like meet with the missionaries. It kind of went exactly how we thought both situations were going to go. Well, and maybe for some like added context, we're both the oldest in our families. Jalen has had a, a couple siblings. I mean, I guess three of your siblings had left the church at that point. Yeah. So I had, I had none and I was kind of like the, I don't know if I want to, I, I mean, I kind of was like the example, right? Like I mean, in the both family. of us were Yeah, like so, the oldest child. We've done everything right. He went on his mission. I got married in the temple twice. So I think our parents were just like, you know, that's just how they looked at us. So yeah. it was really hard for my parents, but we don't really communicate in our family. So that's just kind of the conversation that was had. And then, yeah, so I told his parents, I had a very few dark days off, like very, very dark days after that. And then one day, I mean, like, a, I would say a week later, I woke up and I just felt like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. And like, I knew I made the right choice. And I yeah, I just felt lighter. And that's kind of where I started meditating. That was like the first practice I picked up. And I had all these things happening and these experiences like, so that's kind of where it all fell apart. And it was really hard. Like I shared on Instagram and I lost like 8,000 followers within 24 hours, which was fine because, you know, if they're just around for, because I was Mormon, like I don't want that, but it was just very interesting to see who stayed in my life and who didn't. I would say my friendships four years ago are done. I don't have hardly any of those same relationships that I do now. Everything has completely shifted in my life. So I don't really have any of the same relationships. I do have the same business. I did lose a lot of business when I left the church as well. So things kind of just got dumped on its head. But also I felt so good. Like I finally felt like I get to be me and I get to, I mean, and I'm still working on that. I'm still unlayering and stuff, but I finally felt like I get to be me and that's finally okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. And Sondra, how did it feel? Like, did you just feel completely blindsided when she told you that? 
<laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, <laughs> one day it was, I have a few questions about the church and, <laughs> and the, the church was always, it was always like a very, like Jalen said earlier, the church was always very triggering to her, which also made it very like triggering in our relationship. So just like, I don't know, even like, you know, scripture study or reading together, like that would just cause like, I mean, her walls to go up and her to feel anxiety, which then would like make me frustrated that we couldn't even do that. So, yeah. So then to like, oh, she has like questions. She actually wants to talk about the church. I was like, oh, this is cool. But then, yeah, then going into that, you know, I think that's where my walls went up, you know, and she's like, I'm just ready to leave the church. I'm like, or I mean, so I don't remember. I remember saying it, positioning it more like, so does that mean we're getting a divorce? Not like, not like, oh, we're getting a divorce, you know, (laughs) kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, but that was like, those, the next six months were like, probably some of the hardest times of my life, like very, very challenging, because it felt like I was having to choose between her or God. And so those were like, very hard. And like, there, I remember one morning, you know, we were intimate before she left for a trip and then she left and then i just had like a full-on like crying breakdown like in the shower like it was like the highs and then like the lows of like lows so it was just like a very 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 hard time and then i i eventually left the church probably that like december so this was july and then so yeah for me, everything that she had like come across, I like came across on my mission. And before my mission, like I looked at what they call like anti-Mormon literature, which really just like talks about a lot of the truths in the church that they don't talk about in the church is more or less what that is. But to me, maybe it's cognitive dissonance. It's just like at the same time, I like believed, you know, Joseph Smith was a prophet and I believed in the Book of Mormon. So it was like, well, I believe these things are true. And so everything else will kind of figure itself out, you know, kind of thing. So yeah, so I more or less left the church more to not lose her rather than out of like a disbelief for it. But at the same time, I then, I don't know, I kind of felt like lost because to me, it's like either the church was true or it wasn't. And so it kind of felt like in a way I was betraying myself to some degree, but also doing what I felt was right and choosing my family and my wife. So, yeah. So, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's such a tough, you know, decision to, to be put through. Do, do you, you know, obviously you mentioned that, you know, the whole, fr- your friendships have changed obviously dramatically since then. Are you still able to have a good relationship with your families? <laughs> you go first. Uh, <laughs> do you see me, me both are like, well, so I would say, like I said, with my family, we've never, there's never been communication like that, but something interesting happened like three weeks ago. So like, I didn't grow up with hugs or affection or saying, I love you. Like that just was non-existent. It was like, here's the rules. We go to church, we do this. And like, that's that. There was just no feelings communicated. There was no, like nothing. And so, I mean, obviously that is rough, you know, going into a marriage and having to communicate and be vulnerable or any of that. Like that just was not what I learned to do. So with my family, my parents have watched me. They follow me on Instagram and I am very open about my feelings and about my journey. And I'm sure a lot of the stuff I've shared has been hurtful because I have shared, you know, things that, you know, have probably don't feel good. But my parents have watched, especially my, I would say my mom, maybe not my dad, but my mom's watched my journey. And I just don't know. I haven't known what they felt. I 
like have no idea because we don't we don't talk about anything that's not surface level. It's like we just talk about at dinner table. It's we call it silent Sunday when we go to my parents for Sunday dinner because everyone just like is either quiet or they're talking about guns or trucks or like <laughs> so it's just like there's no feelings and communication. So three weeks ago, I took my mom to a yoga sound bath, which first of all, I was like, there's no way she's gonna go, but maybe she said yes. So I took her. And if if someone's like not familiar with sound, I feel like it just like shakes up and awakens emotions and things that have been like stagnant. And so we do the yoga and then you lay down and she does like a 45 minute sound bath. And so we get up and my mom looks at me and just starts bawling and gives me like the biggest hug. I'm going to get emotional now. I'm getting emotional. (laughs) (laughs) And she just said, I'm so proud of you. And she said, I know you're on a different journey and you've taken a different path, but I'm so proud of like, how far you've come and the journey that you're on and who you've become. And that was like, I mean, I, my parents don't even say they love you and we don't like physically touch. It was very uncomfortable. So I was like, my mom's hugging me. I don't know what to do. But I mean, that was so healing for me to hear that she is proud of me and she's not just looking at me as like, you know, a disgrace and you know, I left the church and whatever. So like that was, that was huge to me. So I think, I've kind of felt like she has tried to relate to me and to to reach out. And I mean, she saw an owl in the back of her yard one day and she's like, I looked up the spiritual meaning and it said this. So like she's trying to like connect with me on different and I can feel that. So that was really beautiful. And all my friends were there, all my like soul friends, and they got to witness that. So it was a cool it was a cool moment. It felt cool, but also felt very heavy because I'm like, oh, my gosh, now that the doors are open, like I like we're going to have to share our feelings or something now. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> yeah, right? it's really uncomfortable, yeah. but we, yeah, we're starting to go every week. So I think, yeah, so that's, that's kind of what's going on with my family. I, there still isn't, it kind of went back to normal. So it's still very surface level, but I think just like little by little, they're accepting of me and they've never treated us differently or our kids or anything. So I would say yeah. for the most part, I felt very lucky because I know I have a lot of friends that, you know, were just kind of like kicked to the side. So, yeah. So initially it felt like my relationship with my parents was very conditional. Like the love felt very conditional. I think now, I mean, I can definitely give them grace. The hard thing is when you're in the church, that is like your identity. Like being Mormon is your identity and like getting to the celestial kingdom, like the highest degree of heaven is like. I don't know, kind of like what your focus is on, right? Like that eternal family aspect. So I think they were honestly just very hurt. And it was the first time and they, I think they just had to do like their own processing of it. We had a a good conversation probably a few months after I had left that felt like a bridge that was very healing and just like very honest. They were able to share their honest feelings and they were able to, you know, hear and listen to me as well. And so, so that was super healing. And then I'd say it kind of like ebbs and flows. Like they, I don't know, like there was one time, this was probably like a few months ago, we were like talking in the basement. I just always know when they're going to like, almost like ambush me, (laughs) like talk to me about these things. Yeah, sure. You just get that like kind of heavy vibe. (laughs) I'm like, all right, here it comes. Yeah. (laughs) And I felt like my mom was trying to hear me and my dad wasn't really trying to like hear me. 
And I think, you know, they just worry like, I don't, I mean, this is where it is a little frustrating. Like, am I like still a good person? You know, it's like, I almost have to like, I'm like, guys, I don't like share when I like serve people. You know, it's not like something I put on like social media, you know? So they're like, you know, so I'm like sharing experiences that I had like two days before that of like helping this lady at like the airport and pushing her up like a half a mile up this ramp type thing, you know? So it's just like, so those, those moments are a little interesting, but then it's like, I was talking to my mom probably a couple of weeks ago. I think just, just about like family relationships that have evolved, you know, with like aunts and uncles and cousins and just like, you know, we don't really get like invited to like weddings and stuff now and stuff like that. And, and my mom was like, well, you guys are like the same people you were before. So that seems like very weird. So then she'll like make comments like that recently where, you know, it feels good where I feel like she's actually seeing me like for who I am, not like the label or titles that I you know have. The prodigal son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. The funny thing is they called me like the prodigal son for a very long time because I, I ran away from home or ran away from home. And after high school. I just got into like a big fight with my dad and so I'm like, whatever, I'm out of here. So, so then I kind of got like the prodigal son and kind of funny how it like rings true. Although I don't ever see myself returning back to Mormonism. So sure. <laughs> and how old were your kids at the time? So our little guy, Dash, he was little. I mean, you had him in August, so it was four or five months. Right. Oh wow! Yeah, real little. I would say he was only like two months old, right? If I left in July and he was well, that was before oh, so like he was a even year. born, right? Oh yeah, no. this was a year after. Yeah, okay. Okay, so yeah, he was yes. almost a year Sorry, old. Timelines. I know timelines are so weird. So yeah, he was like almost a year old, and Char. She would have been four. Yeah, so four and one, which honestly I'm super grateful for because it wasn't traumatic for them. So yeah, I mean we don't. I mean, Char remembers church a little bit, which is fine. I mean, yeah, then you took her, then you took her to like a non-denominational church where they had like a huge slide inside and playground. So she always wanted to go to the slide church instead <laughs> of to the other boring church with me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's funny how they see, I am grateful. I feel like now we can kind of just live our lives and love our kids and then let them choose their path instead of like, this is what you believe. This is what you're doing. I mean, this morning. I kind of had like a weird aha moment. We were driving the car, listening to my daughter's favorite song. That's Lady Gaga that says, I put my hands up like Jesus told me. And my son was singing it. He's literally four years old. And I was like, do you know who Jesus is? And he's like, yeah, Lady Gaga, <laughs> my four-year-old son. I was like dying laughing. I was like, okay. Yeah. It's just interesting. Because... That, I'm like, well, we've got some work to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just interesting because we grew I mean, that's, I want him to be, I want our kids to be curious. I don't ever want to be like, this is what we believe. This is what you have to believe. Yeah. Like, it's almost beautiful that they get to be curious and figure things out, you know, yeah, and we get to hold that space for him, which was complete opposite of how we grew up. So, yeah. And it's cool that they get to grow up in this time where there's just all these beautiful spiritual modalities coming together. And I think there's this whole like revitalization of people counterbalancing from that, maybe swing away from religion to now recognizing, hey, actually, all these spiritual traditions could actually be be ways to really unify us, not divide us. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Yeah, exactly. So I'd be curious to know what, what was it that you found out that was you know so powerful about the Mormon church? 
Okay, so <laughs> I mean, there was a lot. So the first one that was that sticks out the most, Joseph Smith, who was the prophet and the one who restored the church. You know, the whole reason the Mormon church is even here. Growing up, I was told one story, and then reading and listening to things, I it was a di- completely different story. So. What the real version is, is he put his head in a hat of rocks and I mean, something like that. Crystals. Crystals, yeah. <laughs> which is funny now because I'm like, he was onto something. My, my opinion now, I hated him for a long time and I'm like, he's ruined so many lives. There was a lot of trigger there, a lot of frustration. So I'm like, with, you know, that, all that stuff. But then on the flip side, I'm like, oh my gosh, he was onto something. Like he was probably on mushrooms when he was having his visions. He was like working with crystals and magic. And then I don't know how everything else came, you know, because we, I don't actually think we know the whole truth and know all the things, but yeah, I think he was onto something, but I mean, that's what I, it was like the, the pictures and the things we were taught in primary and young women's and it was all a lie. And then on the church website, it's like, it breaks down a lot of the controversial things and said, like, this is what happens. Here's the resources. And that just honestly blew my mind. I'm like, why hasn't, why am I just finding out about all of this stuff at 31? And to me, it's like one thing's, one thing is off, everything's off. And so that was why it was very easy for me. I mean, I read everything. I read so much. I spent six months, that six months he mentioned about being really hard. I wasn't even working my business. I was spending like eight hours a day just researching and reading and listening to podcasts and I think some of it, I think it was, it was healing some of it. Some of it was a lot of anger and like, I needed to know that I was making the right decision and not, you know, like, like causing myself all this pain and breaking apart my family and all these things for no reason. But yeah, that six months was wild. Mm -hmm. Definitely the hardest six months of our life. I would say my life this far. Yep. Yeah. And did that end when you had your ayahuasca journey? Definitely for me. Uh-huh. So, so like I said before, that's, yeah, I mean, I was just feeling like lost, you know, like I didn't really, it was hard for me not to have like any type of spirituality, but like, I don't know, it just like rocked my world where I didn't really even want to like pray, you know, or anything like that. And so that's yeah, funny how ayahuasca came up. We just watched a, a goop lab on Netflix, one of the episodes, and they talked about it. And then it was like the next day, one of Jalen's followers or friend just said, Hey, I feel like I need to reach out to you about, I don't even know if she said ayahuasca, maybe she did this ayahuasca ceremony that's happening, you know, in a few months. And we're like, okay, yeah. So it was just like, let's do it. So yeah, for me, yeah, I think for me that obviously help me just see a bigger picture and really like what spirituality is and that I could have spiritual experiences outside of the church. We did have one when we were in Hong Kong, we went to a Buddhist temple at the top of like a mountain in Hong Kong. I don't know. It's like a famous one. Take all these gondolas there. But so, and I had like a spiritual experience there and also got frustrated by how much they commercialize spirituality, but different, different conversation. So, so it was cool just to start having these experiences, I guess, outside of Mormonism that were spiritual. Then ayahuasca just blew me away. Yeah. Well, and even like three days before ayahuasca, he was like, I don't want to go anymore. Like, I don't, what did you, you didn't want to focus on any type of like 
religion or something like that. I don't yeah. Said. I mean, honestly, I still struggle. Belief is still like a very fascinating thing. Just like belief in general. I could talk to people for hours and hours and hours just about belief. So yeah, I think I anything ceremonial, I think is still triggering for me just because, you know, the temple and Mormonism is very much a ceremony. Everything you do in there, it's repetitive. It's the same thing. And there's one time you go through it for yourself. And then any other time you go through is for people who have like passed away, you do it and like proxy for them. And so, but it's like so ceremonial. So I think anything ceremonial still kind of maybe like stirs that up in me. And so, and then I don't know, all like the, we talked to the shaman and we were getting like different material and it just sounded like a yoga retreat. And like, I don't want to go to some stupid yoga retreat, you know, kind of thing. So yeah, I, I was definitely like in my ego during the, the before of that. It was beautiful. And during the ayahuasca ceremony, we were both told we needed to move to Southern Utah. And so we literally- well, to the desert. Well, to the desert. To the desert. So we looked at Arizona. We looked at St. Yeah. So, I mean, we just had built our dream house, which was a whole nother thing. We spent, I mean, a while like trying to, I mean, that was a whole, that's like a whole nother beautiful story. But yeah, we built our like $2 million dream house and we thought we'd made it, you know, and then- ayahuasca was like it's time to sell it you're gonna move to the desert and we're like okay so we did and we we learned so many beautiful lessons we simplified we we changed i mean there was a lot of beautiful lessons in there well it's probably been the best i mean honestly like we found like our soul family down here and i never thought i'd ever say the word soul family still feels (laughs) weird coming out but yeah i think yeah it's crazy just how just how everything compounds. I'm sure you can relate, Jordan. It's just like all all of these experiences just keep like compounding and compounding and compounding. It's like I wouldn't be having this experience I had a week ago if it wasn't for like, you know, this experience here. It's just like, I don't know, cool human experience. Totally. Just synchronicity starts to become a way of life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So what was the, actually, before we get there, when you say soul family, that's a beautiful term. I'd, I'd love to hear about what, what you mean by that. So, I mean, maybe you should tell it because it was all the girls really coming together and then like eventually introducing the husbands. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say soul family, the best way to describe it is it's like you're, it's not your family you're born into, but it's like you know them, you know their family you feel connected to. Yeah. It's like when we're together, it's like, it's just a, a breath of fresh air. And it's like, we've known each other. We've had past lives together. We were supposed to be here together doing something like some bigger purpose. And our soul family, our friend group is everyone is so magical in their own way and doing so much good in the world. And like, it's the kind of people that you hang out with and you leave feeling excited and inspired and and we just never I mean I guess I will speak for myself I've never had relationships like that before of depth like in the church when I was in the church I would get together with girlfriends and we'd gossip like that was what we would do all like all, all of my friendships it was like we talked about other people or we talked about this we talked about that but I never had a relationships that had honest messy depth and these friends are like we get together and people just bear their souls and like what they're going through and we're all there for each other. And it's just beautiful. So I would say it's your chosen, your chosen family on earth, but I swear we've all had past lives together too. 
Yeah, I would I would add, I mean, I think Jordan, you said it beautifully at the beginning. It feels like like the group we were with in Egypt, right? Like I don't, we all felt like a deeper connection, you know, there. And so I think it's very similar to that. We just all happen to live together. And so it's like, like in our conversations, I think, yeah, maybe they do start like a little like surface level, you know, amongst each other and like Egypt and like who, who we are and what we identify as. But then it's like, nothing's really like, nothing was off limits. You know, we would like get deep and we would talk about aliens or, you know, like whatever it was, we would like go deep into like traumas or triggers or like things, you know, I, I just think it's almost like a higher level of consciousness or familiarity that we have with each other that just allows us to really be like our authentic selves. And, it, and we don't, we don't really feel like judgment or if we do feel judgment <laughs> about it, we're like, we'll call that out to the group. Like Haley, mm-hmm. one of the friends I always feel like is like, I feel like you guys are judging me. Like she'll just like call everyone out. About, like, <laughs> and like, and then we'll give her a hard time about it. But yeah, I think it's just like that level of friendship. It's just, it's very authentic. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think that's been my experience. You know, not definitely not the same extremity, you know, having like like leaving the Mormon church by any means, but I think there is an element of, you know, folks who aren't open to the possibility of spirituality, or even if they are, if it's just not something that they're actively interested in, right? There there does, I think, you know, I think a lot of people on that path have had those issues with potentially losing some of their existing friendships or or them just, you know, not being as strong as they thought they once were. But on the other end of that, I think you almost also universally hear folks meeting new people along the path that just, you know, they resonate with on, on such a deeper, meaningful level. So what was the actual ayahuasca experience like? You mentioned, you know, being told to move to the desert, but any anything else? I mean, I, I think as we were talking before we started recording, that was like the first time you'd done any type of substance ever, right? So definitely starting off with a bang. <laughs> I mean, we didn't know. We literally didn't know. I mean, when we showed up, I was like someone was talking about like drinking a tea or something. I was like, Oh, maybe we're not doing ayahuasca. I wonder what we're doing. (laughs) Like we didn't, we had no idea. So my experience was very, very intense. I worked through a lot of sexual trauma, a lot of things that came up while I was in the church that I had shoved down so far and hadn't even thought of for 20 years, you know, less than that, like 15 years. But yeah, mine was intense. Like I spent the whole weekend crying and processing and you're like a full on rebirth. I yeah, I had a full on rebirth. And my I mean, my ex husband was brought up in, in that one, we had a miscarriage together. And I was dealing with so much trauma that I literally shoved it away. And I forgot like I, I didn't even have an awareness of it. And so I saw that whole experience during ayahuasca. And saw exactly what happened and why it happened. And like, I got to like hear from that soul that that soul chose to leave so that I had a future. And so like, that was, it was very profound and very, yeah. And I actually just got a tattoo for that experience like two days ago. Can you pull over? Yeah. So it's right there. So you can't really see it, but it's a heart filled with a rainbow. So during the ayahuasca, I just said, like, how can I know you're near? And it was like, whenever you see rainbows, you'll know I'm near. So there's been crazy rainbow. There's been like crazy experiences, (laughs) like our family pictures. There's this like rainbow in all of them. And our photographer was like, I did not see that (laughs) in there. So I told her the story. and She was like, that's insane. So, I mean, they just they just show up everywhere. But that was 
I mean, lots of just crazy experiences and things that came up, but mine was all around like just sexual trauma and healing, you know, my womb and all of that stuff. So, and then his was quite different. Yeah, mine, she's like bawling the whole time. And my, my first night, so I started like dropping into it and we were like separated. So she was on one side of the room. I was on the other. I started like dropping in and I was like super resisting it, which is not a good idea on any plant medicine. So for anyone who's exploring it. So I like went to the bathroom and I'm just like, I need to get out of here. I need to leave. Like, how am I going to escape here? And they like blocked everyone's cars in. So for that reason, so you couldn't drive like under the influence of ayahuasca. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get out of here. And so, so I'm like, whatever, I'll just go like lay back down. And then what was cool is I had like all of a sudden, I think it was probably my first like past life experiences. Like I was going through like all of the different like battle scenes of like past life. So more like the warrior side of it, like literally across like every culture you can imagine. It was like, it was pretty amazing. And I was just like pounding. It was like, I like could feel like this war drum going off through it all. And I'm just like pounding on like the floor to like this beat. And so that was like a cool first night. And then I don't know, my other two nights were amazing. I was just like laughing the whole time. I was astral traveling. I was just like, and he didn't even believe in past lives at that point, like before going into it, he didn't even believe in that. So that was cool. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. So, so yeah, then I was just like creating a business, you know, in like space, you know, which is, which is pretty aligned with the business I'm creating right now. So it's kind of, kind of crazy how it's all coming full circle and now I can like see it all coming together. So that was like, yeah, that was amazing. I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's that's all I really I mean, I have it all journaled, but that's really what's coming up right now. So probably that's probably all, all I need to share about it. Very cool. And what is the business you're building now? So I'm working on a healthier energy drink alternative. So I have had an addiction to canned energy drinks probably for the last four years, ever since I tried it for the first time. So I want, yeah, so the the energy drink I'm working on, it has mushrooms, nootropics, electrolytes, BCA is more for like brain, not necessarily like muscle growth, pretty low dose. So yeah, I've got it all formulated and we're about to make the first run and yeah, should be hopefully launching in the next four to five months. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was funny how, yeah, everything was like coming together in my head there. So it was, that yeah, was awesome. That's awesome. Have you done other entrepreneurial ventures or is this your first one? Yeah. So I actually started my first e-commerce business 12 years ago. That's actually what led me to being on a dating website because I was working like 12 to 15 hours a day, you know, every single day. And I'm like, I don't have time to meet girls. And I don't really like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really care to like go out with my friends and stuff to me. And they were they were on a different path than like drinking and stuff, which wasn't necessarily like aligned with me at that time. I love to party now, but you know, back then definitely didn't. So yeah, so that's, yeah, so that's how I met her. But yeah, and then I've been very, I'd say since then, I've been very entrepreneurial at businesses where I've really started new departments or products or services and really like run them, you know, with my own P&L business and you know, that way. So I'm excited to get back to this. I mean, I've helped Jalen a lot with her businesses on the marketing side. So all my experience has primarily been in like digital marketing. And that's what I do now is I consult with the largest e-commerce brands in the world about their marketing and data and business growth. So yeah, it just feels like the right opportunity to bet on myself. And so yeah, I'm excited. That's awesome. That's great. Well, I look forward to trying them. 
Sweet. Yeah. I'll send you some. Please do. Yeah. And Jalen, you mentioned that you're traveling a lot for work. What is it that you do? Well, you used to travel a lot for work. So I sell makeup and skincare. And I also just do like, I don't like the word influencer. We need to find a new word for that. I hate that word. She's a brand ambassador. A brand ambassador. So yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of made a business out of sharing my healing journey. So I just share products and things that I love with the people who follow me. And I've shared my healing journey. I share all the things I'm doing, like our parasite cleanse. You know, I just share, I'd share all those things very open and honest with my journey and my healing process. Mm -hmm. And have you found that there's a lot of folks that your story resonates with, right? Maybe in, in a more conservative religion and, and don't feel at home there, but struggling, you know, with the decision to leave or not? Yes, I would say for sure. So I actually started a group on Facebook called WTF and it stands for what the faith. So I, it's a group for women who have left like any kind of religion. So we have Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, Catholic. So it's, that's been kind of a really cool place and a community for people to have a safe space to meet other people who are going through the same thing. So I do have that, but I, I feel like for the most part, I've lost most of my followers who are in religion just because just who I am offends a lot of people. <laughs> so Jaylen's I, a very big mirror for a lot of people. Like so, a very big mirror. I trigger everyone with everything I do, even if it's just little things. So, but I also know that that's part of my path. Like I've been shown that and I know that. So it's just part of my journey. Yeah. You're just at this point like, well. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Well, the cool thing is like a lot of people are open to talking about it in the DMs. Like there was a situation last week where I get a lot of people triggered with, I mean, money. Last week I was talking about money and like manifesting and that kind of stuff. And I triggered some people, but we had, they were open enough to have really cool conversations and to be able to actually see how they were projecting onto me. And so that was really cool. So some people were really open to it and it's a fun, it's fun to be able to share my journey and to get people thinking. So, I mean, that's been really cool. Yeah. I do trigger people and yeah, people unfollow me, but like, that's, it's fine because I'm sure that's just planting a seed. And later on in life, they'll be like, Oh, she said this that one time. Oh, yeah. You had, you had a handle last week of people just saying like, I don't know what they say. Well, yeah, I had, I have people probably a couple of times a month that like send me apology letters. Like I, I yelled at you this one time or I unfollowed you last year because I thought you were a bad person. And now everything that you were talking about is true. It's just stuff like that. And so I just, I just take it for what it is. I try not to get triggered or to like attach to anyone's stories that they're putting on, you know, projecting. So it's kind of a beautiful, it's a beautiful experience for me. And I'm grateful I get to actually, I mean, be a mirror. Sometimes I'm grateful. I try to be all the time, but it's a lot sometimes. Yeah, it's tough. And I think also just in the digital age, right? People will, especially on the negative side, I would say things to you over a phone that they would never say to you in person. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really cool. And, uh, you know, I think it's great to just see more people just, being out there and outspoken about who they are and their truth. I think, you know, one of the reasons that we as a human society haven't advanced more than we have, you know, spiritually and consciously is because group think and people, you know, are, are more afraid of, you know, being ridiculed than they are of speaking the truth. Yep. Yep. 100%. Totally. Yeah. 
So I'm curious too, how did you two decide to do the holographic sound tour to Egypt? Hmm. Similar to ayahuasca. I know. So <laughs> I was, I had a channeling from this lady, Elizabeth April. I don't know if you have heard of her or follow her. She's awesome on Instagram. So it's very hard to get into like get channeled with her. She just has a really big following and, you know, has very limited time for that kind of stuff. And she has a big membership platform. So she opened up these like 10 person channeling sessions and you get to ask two questions each. And so I was asking her questions about sex and just, you know, trying. I asked her something along the lines of I've told her like I've done healing, I've done A, B and C, and I still cannot figure out like why I feel like I'm blocked. Like I have a block there. My sacral area is blocked. And so that was a question I asked. So she goes into, she channels it and shares that I had a past life where I was stuck in trafficking basically my entire life. And then at the end, so she talks about that for like eight minutes. And then the last two minutes, she mentions, you have ties to Egypt, something about like the mystery schools. So she mentions mystery schools. This is the first time I've ever even like had Egypt in my brain at all. The next morning, like 7 a.m., my friend Amy Enlow, who actually knows all the Texas people, all that group, she messages me and like, I woke up and I felt like I needed to share this Egypt opportunity with you. I'm not even going, but like, here's the information. And I was like, no way. Like I, Egypt just came in my awareness yesterday because she channeled that. And now you're sending me this link. So we signed up that day. It wasn't even, I'm like, I don't believe in coincidences and the fact that I've never even thought about going to Egypt. And then that was channeled for me. And then she sent me the link like eight hours later. It was like a full yes. So he was a little more like, sure, I'll come support you. But I mean, then after that, it was just like things were unfolding. And like we knew without a doubt we were supposed to be there. Yeah. Wow. Were there any particularly profound downloads or moments you had in Egypt? Yeah, lots, lots and lots. Um, hmm. I don't know. Do you have any that are coming top of mind? I mean, funny enough, I would say I knew that there was going to be a lot of like healing there. So I really tried to surrender and not be in my head. I had a lot of like body knowings. Like I wouldn't say I got a lot of downloads. But just like going into the temples and touching the walls, my whole body would just start vibrating. And so I knew that there was work going on. So I just tried to be present and not put like judgment on why am I not getting downloads? Why is this not happening? So I just like surrendered and let it flow. I would say one of the most powerful moments, honestly, was when we were on the cruise. It was the one morning we got to sleep in. But we had a really powerful morning. I don't even fully remember all the things that happened, but I just remember like we were able to sleep in and he had, he like didn't sleep that night because he was having downloads and like things coming in. And we were just able to process a ton that morning. Cause as you know, I mean, we were going from like three, four in the morning until nine at night. So it was like, we go straight to bed and then wake up and then do it again. And there just was not a lot of time to process and to talk about things and to be like, oh my gosh, what's going on? So that morning was just so powerful, which is funny because I would have, I would have guessed the other experiences would have been the most powerful, but because we were able to just like be super present and process all these things, like all this beautiful knowings and things were coming up and like 
our relationship, I feel like shifted in that moment. So it was really powerful. Yeah, it's funny. That was like literally what was coming to mind for me. So no accidents. Yeah, some, I guess some insight. So we had been celibate on a celibate journey for like three and a half, four months going into Egypt. But that night, and that I'll come back to that, but that night we, or that night I had like a full on like ego death is what it felt like, which then the ego convinced me I was going to like physically die. So I was like pretty much like in my feels and literally writing, like typing out a note to everyone that I had like loved or that I felt like I needed a message. So it was like super, super like emotional night for me. So yeah, I didn't get like a ton of sleep the one night we could actually get like good sleep. And so, yeah, so like when Jalen and I didn't want to wake her up, but when she finally woke up, I just like, I don't know, just had like a, a, a crying emotional moment with her. And, and, and even before that, we usually don't like cuddle when we sleep either. And I just remember like when I finally went back to laying down, she like grabbed my arm and like pulled it on top of her. And I just like, I felt so much love and gratitude for her in that moment. And then that like led me to like writing a poem for her, which I'll, I'll keep between us, but it was just like a very powerful moment and something, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know the last time I wrote a poem. It's been like <laughs> probably 20, 30 years. It's been a long time, but so yeah. So then like I shared that with her, you know, we were intimate for the first time in like three and a half, four months. And so that was like a powerful experience. So yeah, I, I can't remember every everything else that came up, but it was just like a very emotional and just like powerful moment for me. And then I feel like that just tied in perfectly to the other temples we were going to or you know, sacred sites that we went to. Yeah, I pretty much had like some kind of download in just about every place. But the one, okay, one that is coming to mind. Do you remember the spot where we walked around? Was it like the beetle? Oh, yeah. Uh huh. And they had like the reflection ponds and like all those different things. There was, there was, uh, there was like a, a big entryway like gate that was like off in the distance, like a big arch. And for whatever reason, I'm like, we need to like go here. So they like dismissed us to have like an hour of free time or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know, Jalen, for whatever reason, I just feel like I need to go to this spot. So, we started walking and then like one of the guards like grabbed us immediately and he's like, you know, he's like trying to take us somewhere like, no, I don't want to go here. Like, take me here. And he's like, okay. So we went over there and then, you know, they took us like they do to all like these, these spots that are supposed to be cool. But, you know, it's like, yeah, so anyway, so we went, we saw like some cool, like false gates and like cool things like that that they showed us. But then eventually I went to like the arch and. I just like put my hand on it and I just had like this full like past life experience, like literally like visualizing like the Pharaoh coming in this way, almost like, because if you remember, they have like the Sphinx road that connects the two temples. So it's like this, like the people would go on the Sphinx road, but like the Pharaoh, you know, came through like this other gate. And I just saw like, I, I don't know if it was Ramses or whoever it was, but I just saw them just like, being so like awe-inspired by like that temple and like that sacredness that they had like created there. And so that was like a powerful moment. Jalen like took a picture of me like leaning up on it. And it's like pretty crazy seeing all like the different like light flares coming in and like 
have like a full on like circle, like around me. It was like pretty insane. All like the light that came around that. So it just felt like it like perfectly captured almost like what I was experiencing at that moment. Wow. That's beautiful. What about you? Yeah, I, as part of my awakening, I came across Graham Hancock's work. Um, okay. Yeah. And, he, and he's been just like a huge inspiration for me. Um, he's the man. Yeah, he's the man. He's the man. And so, you know, I'd always been interested in going to Egypt just because I love to travel, but I think just the significance of what these monuments were, are there for, right? The relationship to consciousness, all that kind of thing. Just, just you know, took that to the next level. And then kind of similar thing to what Jalen was talking about. You guys know Bryce, obviously. He and I had met previously. He had taken Dr. Paul's workshop and was like, hey, I just booked this trip to Egypt. Do you want to go? And I'm like, yep. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So it's it was cool. I, I was, yeah, really, really meaningful trip. Do you guys, I'm curious, have anything else in the books or anything on your spiritual journeys you're looking forward to in the future? Hmm. I feel like this is the first time we don't have like anything really planned. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'm looking forward to, I'm still trying to figure out how I want to charge for it, but, or if I even want to, I go back and forth about charging for spirituality type stuff. I think that's a hard, a hard thing for me. But one of the things that really helped me in my integration after ayahuasca is I went through Michael Singer's surrender course. And then I ended up teaching it at my last company for a year and a half to our employees there. So for me, just like living the principles of surrendering and just being present is impactful. So that's something that I'm going to be launching on April 1st is on that same, a similar, similar to what I taught in a company, but obviously now I can be more woo-woo with it because it's not in a professional setting. So, I mean, that's something that I'm excited about, just bringing in 35 strangers or maybe some people I do know as well, just to go through that with them. I just love, I just love holding space period for people to progress and grow. And I think just experiencing vulnerability with people to me is just like one of the most powerful experiences so not trying to like plug something i'm working on it it is though like kind of at the forefront of my mind right now as i'm wrapping up the curriculum and things like that so that's something i'm super excited about i mean i don't know this full moon's been pretty awesome the last day i'm just feeling like so entered i don't know i just feel like i'm finally i guess seeing to me life just feels like a game and we get to play whatever game we want to play And now I'm just like letting go of a lot of like the scarcity or limiting beliefs that have held me back from doing what I want to do. And now I'm just like letting go of all of that and just doing like what I want to do and what sounds fun and what sounds like, yeah, like a good experience. So I I just think life to me right now is so exciting and just like, yeah, being able to just be me and do what I want to do. And I'm working on that. <laughs> we've kind of, I feel like we've kind of switched roles a little bit. Flip-flopped. We kind of joked that like, what was our little saying that we said? Oh. I pull you and you push me or something like that. Or you wait no. for me. Yeah. So we kind of had a joke that like, I was pulling him along in like the spiritual journey because he's always like, eh, I'm never going to be into this. And then like six months later, he hear on Joe Rogan and then he's like, I'm into this. Like, <laughs> You're so annoying. <laughs> 
But so we kind of had a joke that like he's so patient and holds great space, like he said. So we'd always joke like I pull him and then he waits for like he's he has so much patience. So that was our joke. But after he went to his last retreat, I feel like we've swapped spots like big time. And now I feel like he's holding space for me so I can, you know, move through all the rest of my stuff that I'm working on. Just the lingerings of it, of my entire existence that I know of. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it is. Trying to heal and move through that and have fun while I'm at it. It's really hard. Get out of your, get out of your head. Jalen's always in her head. So we're. That's what he's working on it. He's he's coaching you right now. (laughs) Yeah. I I started working with a transformational coach right before Egypt, actually, which I think like, I don't know. It just came like full circle. Have you heard of the law of one or the raw contact? Yeah. So was that like the book of it's like they channeled both or someone? Yeah. raw, Raw. They channeled raw. Yep. So that he had me read that before Egypt, which was super powerful. And then that led me into like, the Kabilion, I just, you know, I started reading that a few months ago. But then part of the the coaching is I went to a retreat called The Journey to Nobody. And I, I can't say what we did there, not because it's not plant medicine, it's not illegal, nothing like that. It's it's like literally one of like the most ultimate surrender experiences. Because you just show up when they say to show up, and then you go in and just it's like one of the most like vulnerable things, not like once again, you're not like naked or anything like that. It's just very, very like vulnerable and push pushes you. And it's like activities that push you yeah. way out of your comfort zone. And so you're I like mean, actually doing the work. He didn't even tell me anything. Like I can't know, but that's probably the best way to describe it. I made it. an like, agreement. So it's like, like you're doing exercises and activities that. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone's feeling called to that, I'd, I'm more than happy to connect you with the people who do that. But it's like. Yeah, that's been honestly one of like the most powerful things. But I think that's that's what caused us to kind of like flip roles. It really helped me just like step into my power or, you know, if that's too woo-woo for you, just like be authentic to myself, you know? And so it's just been, yeah, it's been an incredible, because that was a couple months ago. Yeah, it wasn't, that. That, it wasn't so even that long ago. Just crazy all the momentum I feel in life right now. So that's, yeah, I guess bringing it full circle. That's fantastic. Wow. And I think, too, what you bring up about the ego death on ayahuasca, right, and experiences of those past lives, for me, that has been a big transformation as well, just losing that fear of death. Because then when you do that, you recognize, like, there there is no death, right? Like, there, so we don't need to be so serious all the time. Like, we're here to have fun. We're here to have a human experience, right? Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Jalen was, like, talking about us last week, you know, kind of, like, getting into it a little bit, but just like I told her, I'm like, I just want to like shake you and just like get out of your head and just like enjoy this human experience. Like it's kind of what I want to do to people in a more loving way. Just help them (laughs) shake them. It's like, like, have fun. Enjoy this like human experience. It's like so amazing, but it's like, that's see, that's where like, I guess coming full circle to the constructs, that's where, that's where it's like religion or government or school or the career path or like whatever you want to look at. It's like, we're just like always told to be like in this box and like, just stay there. And this is how you succeed. Or this is what happiness is like, you know, it's like, no, it's not. It's like, just like be who you want to be and like, just be authentic to me. That to me, that really is like what I'm learning 
really is surrender. And that came up during like a, an MDMA experience we had a few weeks ago is like, man, surrendering really is just being authentic to ourselves. We just try to like sabotage everything else in between, you know, of unworthiness or the trauma or triggers that we have in life. So yeah, yeah life's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Sando Jalen, this has been so much fun catching up with you all. For listeners who maybe want to learn about what y'all are doing, where to follow you, where should they reach out? Instagram. I'm Jalen Schroeder on Instagram. I'm Sandra Schroeder. We do have a podcast called Unconditionally Unfiltered. We aren't as diligent of posting there, but we post or share, record, whatever, when we feel called. But we have about three years worth of experiences on there that go more into detail about some of the things we talked about here. So if you have any interest there, I think that's a, a great place to, to start. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again, guys. This was such a blast. And hopefully uh, we can get together sometime soon, not too far away in Denver here. I know. I know. We need to, <laughs> we need to have like a reunion or figure something yeah. out. Egypt reunion. 100%. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, have a great rest of your evening. Thank you. Too. you. Thanks, Jordan. Cheers. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the discussion. In this episode, Jalen and Sondra describe their journeys leaving the Mormon church and the spiritual transformations they've experienced since making that difficult decision. For those who have left Orthodox organized religion, this is never an easy choice. When your community, your friends, and your lifestyle center around your religion, how do you leave? If the set of rules and beliefs demanded by your religious institution do not resonate with your most authentic self, yet you risk losing the most important people in your life by acknowledging this, following your true north can be exceptionally hard. There are no easy answers here. What I particularly love about Sondra and Jalen's story is how, having left organized religion, they now feel more deeply spiritual, closer to God than ever before. Because that's what religion was always supposed to be about. How do we connect with God directly? How do we interpret the concept of divinity and what is our purpose on this planet? Can we explore these ideas with others in our community without being bound to a dogmatic set of principles? I'm optimistic that as the collective consciousness rises and we remember our spiritual essence, religion will once again be something that unites us rather than divides us. That as the metaphysical scientific paradigm overcomes the materialist one, the shackles of spiritual thought will loosen and we'll be able to explore contrasting ideas through open discourse. As is said in the Rig Veda, Truth is one, but the wise know it by many names. And so as we embrace spirituality without the confines of organized religion, we set ourselves free to find that truth for ourselves.